Heavenly Father, we do uh, pray that we would listen to your word and listen to your word about your son and that we would listen to him and that he would speak to us by his spirit whom he has given us. So we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about listening to Jesus. Jesus and his disciples often lived rough. Uh, Jesus' popularity, mainly due to his uh, healing powers, meant that he was often mobbed when people knew that he was in town. And as early in the story of Jesus and his disciples, as Mark chapter 1, verse 45, we read that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. And I'm pretty sure that there were no kind of lightweight nylon tents and warm sleeping bags and comfortable thermo-rests to be had in Jesus' day. And so when Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, he was not merely speaking figuratively. This was no exaggeration. He really did live rough. His disciples and he probably slept in boats in fact, we, we meet Jesus sleeping in a boat in one of the stories in the Gospels. They slept rolled up perhaps in their cloaks under a bush on the side of a hill. Perhaps not always, but often enough they slept rough. And you can imagine that their clothes got pretty pounded, uh, grubby and worn, faded and thin. And to escape the crowds and get a bit of privacy, they needed to find very out-of-the-way places. In Mark 9, where we are for this Sunday, Jesus takes his inner circle of disciples, Peter, James and John, up a mountain. And at this point, Jesus is just entering a new phase in his ministry with them. About a week earlier, Jesus had asked his disciples two questions. The first one was, who do people say I am? And the second one was, who do you say I am? And Peter had given the answer, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are God's anointed one, the one he has chosen to rule his kingdom, the one who is a son to him. That was what Peter's answer meant. You are the Messiah. And Peter, had his fellow disciples, had come to this conclusion about Jesus by the time that they had spent with him and through the things that he said and did. Now, he was a human being like them. He spoke, he stood, he sat, he walked, he ate, he drank, he yawned, he dressed, he slept. But he also did wondrous works. He healed disease, cast out spirits. He fed multitudes out of a lunchbox. But even as he did these things, there were no kind of flashes of light or puffs of smoke. He didn't kind of levitate or, you know, have glowing eyes. He was a man and did these things in a kind of way that seemed ordinary. It seemed all part of the world. And yet Peter ventured the answer, you are the Messiah. And Jesus had accepted this answer. He hadn't said, no, Peter, you know, try again. I'll ask you again in a few weeks and see if you can do better. He said, all right, but don't tell anyone. But we might say, ask, would there be some kind of, you know, divine follow-up or affirmation of what Peter so boldly claimed about Jesus and what he accepted? And the answer is, yes, there would be. And today is that divine follow-up and affirmation. Today, I want to look at this passage from Mark 9 in two sections. Firstly, this is my son whom I love. 
And secondly, listen to him. So let's begin with, this is my son whom I love. Up on the mountain, something very different happened. Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothing became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Now, the mountaintop had been a place of encounter with God through the Old Testament. Moses had gone up onto Mount Sinai and he had met with God. Generations later, the prophet Elijah had gone to the same mountain and God had spoken to him there. Now, on a different mountain, a heavenly reality is again unveiled. God draws near and speaks. And Jesus on this mountain is not a grubby fellow who's been consistently sleeping out and is in a kind of dirty robe. He is transformed in some manner, which Mark doesn't specify exactly. Matthew says his face shone. Mark says his clothes, well, they're not the faded, stained things that they have been. They are radiant heavenly garments, fit for an angel, fit for the presence of God. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. And people say, how did they know they were Elijah and Moses? You know, did they have name tags? And, you know, I don't know how they knew. Did Jesus hail them by name? And, you know, it's been a topic of discussion in my Bible study more than once. Where did they come from? Um, And again, I can't answer that question, but I do know that these two, they are big wheels. They are serious guys. In the Old Testament, Moses is the prophet, the the law bringer, the leader of Israel, the one who, who led them out of Egypt, through whom God did wonders and signs. Elijah is the the prophet, the scourge of kings and idolaters. He was swept up to heaven in a whirlwind. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he did not know what to say, for they were so frightened. Peter wishes to honour each one of these you know, important figures with a shelter, but you know, his suggestion falls to the ground because the next thing happens, which is that a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. Now, again, a cloud coming down is a sign of the presence of God. In Exodus 24, uh, it says that when Moses went up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord settled on Sinai. And on the seventh day, God called to Moses from within the cloud. So on the mountain of transfiguration, this glorious cloud known from the Old Testament kind of reappears It's back. And the same Lord who spoke to Moses speaks again from the cloud. And this time he says, This is my son whom I love. He speaks not about Moses and Elijah, but rather he speaks about Jesus and confirms what Peter had said that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the anointed King of God's kingdom. He is a cut above even Moses and Elijah. He is uniquely favoured, uniquely loved, uniquely chosen and related to God. And what Moses and Elijah 
together with Peter, James and John, all receive on the mountain from God is this word about Jesus. This is my son, whom I love. And the other word is they receive is listen to him. And so let's think about that. Second, listen to him. Because the divine voice from the cloud does not give ten commandments this time, but rather just one. Listen to him. Listen to him. He knows what he's talking about. Listen to him. He's got my tick of approval. Listen to him. Respect his judgment. Receive his teaching. Answer his call. Obey his commands. Listen to him. What does Jesus say? Well, he says many things, doesn't he? He says, come to me, all you who labour and heavy laden. He says, trust in me, learn from me. He says, follow me. He says, repent of your sins, deny yourself, take up your cross. He says, be at peace. He says, love one another. He says, watch that no one deceives you. He says, stand firm. He says lots of things. But what, you might ask, does Jesus say to me? Is there a way I can listen to what he says to me in my own life here and now? And the answer is yes. We can open the scriptures and we can open ourselves to what Christ's spirit might show us in them. We need to do both things. If we want to listen to Jesus, we need to open the scriptures and we need to open ourselves. So firstly, open the scriptures. The most obvious place to listen to Jesus is to attend to what he says and does as it's narrated in the Gospels. The account of his life and teaching. This is kind of ground zero for listening to Jesus. But the Gospels aren't the only place that we hear Jesus. We also hear Jesus through his apostles, through the ones who he taught and who he trained and who he sent to be his ambassadors, to be his heralds and messengers. And so the New Testament contains this apostolic testimony and teaching and Christ's spirit speaks through all these writings, the writings of his apostles. And I'd go further and I'd say that The Spirit of Christ speaks to us through the Old Testament as well. Because it was the book that he used to teach his disciples. He didn't have the Gospels or the New Testament. He had the Old Testament. He opened the Old Testament and taught with it and from it. And so he can still use the Old Testament to teach us as well. So open the Scriptures, all the Scriptures, in order to listen to Jesus. And secondly, though, open yourself. Because you can open the scriptures, of course, and read them in a kind of closed, sceptical, critical way. Or you can read them in a kind of inattentive, sloppy, half-hearted way. Or you can read them in a rushed, box-ticking, distracted kind of way. There's lots of ways you can open the scriptures and read them. But to read the scriptures in order to listen to Jesus, we need to take a different approach. Firstly, I think we need to make time. Just as you make time to exercise, to see friends, to study, so make time to open yourself to Jesus in the scriptures. Find quiet. You know, interruption of any task, a conversation, 
a sleep, a night of sleep. All of this is, is bad. None of it's good. And neither is kind of interrupted Bible reading, like interrupted dishwashing or interrupted whatever it is. Find quiet so that you can not be interrupted. And then I find it helpful to follow a routine because you need a routine, a procedure, a way of opening yourself and opening the scriptures. Something you just start to do that draws you into the zone of openness. Um, Maybe you begin with a set prayer that you read slowly or you sing a song that you love or you... And then you just begin to read. You follow some program of Bible reading, I suggest. Don't just randomly open it and wander through and wonder what you'll read today. Have a system of reading, a sequence. And then you might have some notes on what you read that you can find. You might write out a verse that really strikes you. Write it in a journal and then sit with that verse and chew on it. And maybe write a prayer that is based on that verse or the passage you're reading. But engage with it. Open yourself up to it. Meditate on it. These are suggestions, but some kind of system, some kind of habit or routine will help you to both open the scriptures and open yourself. That is the task, to open yourself, to ask, what is there to hear from Jesus in what I read today? What connections is this making in my heart? What light does it shed on the issues that I face in life? What strength and encouragement does it inject into me? What warnings does it offer, set off in me? And it is this combination of opening the Bible and opening ourselves that means we can listen to Jesus. Just opening the Bible won't do it. Just opening yourself could lead anywhere. They go together. Transfiguration is an unusual incident in the gospel. It is like Jesus' baptism in that God affirms in both those places that Jesus is his beloved son. But it's unique in the way that God draws so near and gives such an immersive and heavenly experience to the three disciples. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Now, presumably, like other times, Jesus silences his disciples for the moment because they need the perspective of the death and resurrection of Jesus to understand what they have seen. They're not ready to talk about it. They can't talk helpfully about it yet. But as they report it to us, who are the later readers of the gospel, the heart and the climax of this experience is clear. It's the voice from the cloud saying of Jesus, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent 
the son you, you love, to live amongst us. We thank you for those who bore witness to his life, who heard his teaching, who um, heard the voice from the cloud identifying him as your son and who have written it down and testified to it for us. Lord, we pray that we would learn to listen to your son in our own time, in our own place, that his voice would come to us through the scriptures and that you would help us to open ourselves to it, to hear it and to heed it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.